Bright Suns, you're now listening to the Star Wars Friends Podcast on the No One Is Listening Podcast Network. Punch it, Chewie! What have we here? Hello there. Morning, Senator. Greetings, my We are the ones who guard the power. We are the middle. The beginning. <laughs> So who talks first? You talk first. I talk first. You're a feisty little one, but you'll soon learn some respect. So, this is where the fun begins. <laughs> what are you talking about? This is bad. You can't! What did Lisa say? Join the conversation with the Star Wars friends on social media at SW Friends Show. That's at SW Friends Show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Email the Star Wars friends at show at StarWarsFriends.com if you have a comment or question you want us to read live on the show. Now, here are your hosts, the Star Wars Friends! Hey, what's happening, boys and girls of the internet world? My name is Christopher Marinan, and you are listening to the Star Wars Friends Podcast on the No One Is Listening Podcast Network. And joining me today are my Star Wars friends... This is Josh. Go for Papa Palpatine. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, This is Justin, and oh, there goes Ben Quaternero's power coupling. (laughs) Uh, this is Kyle, and uh, I don't think of myself as a Jedi, but I act like one. Yeah, nice, <laughs> nice, good. Solid intros this week. Uh, so this is episode 31, and uh, you know we're still in lockdown, still at stay-at-home orders for, for most folks in the world. Uh, and uh, you know we're going to do our best today to bring some positivity to your Star Wars life and have some conversation here. And you know it is a um, we talked about this very briefly pre-show. It is a terribly slow Star Wars news week, uh, and there's ne- really not much yeah. to talk about when it comes to Star Wars. Um, you know, I, there's there's no hot rumors, there's no clickbait links, there's nothing that we can really dissect. Um, Hasbro had their sales last week, their reveals, no video game news, no TV news. Is that is that a good thing? I mean. No. I think it's just an indication of nothing's really happening in uh, the world. In right the now. world, yeah, yeah. I think it's a good time to reflect on some of the old stuff, though, like what we were talking about on the live chat. That's true. That's true. The live chat just went down this past Saturday, and uh, thank you to everyone that's participated on the live chat hashtag live chat crew, which is what we're going to start using going forward here. That was a lot of fun. We had Maggie, our friend Maggie Lovett, on the show at Maggie of the Town, and then we had uh, one of my co-hosts from the No One Is Listening podcast, Dave Vezdos. On the show as well. Now, Dave is not a noted Star Wars fan, but we did pull some uh, some threads out from him yesterday to try to get him to uh, to admit that he likes some Star Wars. He's an OT guy, uh, has not seen Solo, a Star Wars story, so that was uh, that's on his list uh, to do. But it was interesting having a non Star Wars hardcore fan on the show to kind of get some perspective and uh, see what see what his take was. He's not he's a rag. Just a yeah. rag. <laughs> he you know he uh, he. <laughs> I, oddly enough, I wanted to see 
what his perspective was on the sequel trilogy. Because, you know, uh, our, us hardcore Star Wars fans, we definitely have our, our opinions, and they're rooted in years and years and years of Star Wars love. And Dave, just being a casual fan, didn't really like the the sequels. He liked Force Awakens, and that's about where it dropped off for him. Um, so it's interesting to get that casual fan perspective. But as far as, you know, everyone that joined us on the live chat, we had people from Italy, we had people from the United Kingdom, all, all checking in with us, making sure that, you know, we can share an afternoon or an evening together in their case, uh, and just talk Star Wars. So we had a lot of great questions. Uh, one question that was asked to us by Tyler Page was, um, what are your favorite Star Wars fan films? And I totally blanked. Uh, on that question, I had to look at a few different, uh, you know, Google search results, but I came across one last night on random, probably because my phone is listening to me at all times and just picked up on the conversation, <laughs> but it just, it just popped up in my thread. It was that Darth Vader, Obi-Wan Kenobi reshoot for episode one, A New Hope. Do you guys know what I'm talking about where they reinterpreted yeah. the battle? Yeah, where like the lightsaber uh, style is more like the prequel lightsaber style where they're not like acting like they're really heavy and... Yeah, where the fight is like good, you mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah I was trying to be, I was trying to be, you know, more diplomatic. It's cool. Me. The fight choreography in the original trilogy not its strongest. Well, but they always said, right. "What were the, what were those lightsabers made out of, dude? Like they know. were, they had to have been I, so heavy. I mean, you saw Al Guinness just struggling, like put it in little circles. It was just a. Weak I think band. it was George's let's, let's call for what it is. They were masters. They they've known each other a lifetime. They were just so well matched. It was it, it was that's all it was. I think I think George directed them though that they were heavy like swords. And I think like I think that's actually why really like that's yeah. the behind the scenes reason so. for why the why they act like that. Because they're dueling with like two handed broadswords or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally what that battle is. Oh, but so that reinterpretation, I mean, I think the the tweet was they should have put this in the special edition. You know, something like that. And I wouldn't be opposed to doing a reshoot of that scene because it would, you know, that fan interpretation is just so well done. I, it was clearly done in homage of Rogue One. We got to see Darth Vader be Darth Vader. You know, super brutal, menacing force powers and just total destruction. I think that I would be okay with in reinterpreting that scene as long as they use the original dialogue. You know, they superimpose Alec Guinness's face over whoever the actor was. I, I'm not. I'm not against that. I'm also not against redoing the Jabba sail barge scene in Return of the Jedi. I think that there is some some wonky CGI with that, and there's a lot of you know the force kick. You know, why can't you just, you know, I'm talking about the yeah. Luke Skywalker force kick to the face. Why not just like <laughs> cut him out and then move him over just a little closer, just get a little closer. But are there any scenes in Star Wars that any of you would want to redo or reinterpret in? Or is this just like hands off? Don't touch it. I don't I don't even want McClunky. Like where where are Let's you guys had a at scene of Boba that. Fett crawling out of the Sarlacc after the sail barge has blown up and gone away? Yeah, <laughs> just one hand, uh, the one very off the rip, Freaking. off the rip. <laughs> oh, uh, I, yes. I don't mind the updates. I, this is like probably gonna lose me some street cred, but usually the updates don't really bother me. I think if the, if we're gonna rewatch these things for forty years, why not touch them up periodically? I think the four K remasters look amazing. They have some extra little things in them. The McClunky is the one everybody always talks about, but there are other little tiny shots. 
that have been adjusted. Right. Um, there are up? two that I don't like. I like, I'm with you. I like most of the special edition stuff. The two things that they did that I don't like are the young Anakin force ghost. Cause if he's redeemed before he dies, mm. he should be older. Cause Yoda and Obi-Wan are both their old selves. And I don't like the uh, Jabba, CGI Jabba step on the tail scene, partially because Jabba no, looks terrible agreed. and partially because I don't think yes. that that fits that like Han would step on his tail. And yeah, just especially not in that situation. Yeah, why would he get away with that? He's already like kind of. Yeah. In the doghouse. Right. He doesn't have. Yeah. He doesn't have the power position. And who steps on a hut's mm. tail? dude? you get killed for that? I mean, yeah. That's kind of nuts. Um, but I mean, specifically though, are there any scenes that you would want to see reshot in in a in a vein of that of that Vader fan film? My my answer was a real answer. It yeah, wasn't I mean, I'm a, with you too. I'm with you too. Not, <laughs> nah, I'm not trolling either, Kyle. That I, I would love just to see a, a you know a gloved hand with maybe the Boba Fett gauntlet. Just, I mean, that's all you need, really. Are, or I don't, I don't know. Are you are you rural farm boy 2.0? Do you want Boba Fett to be dead? Oh, I will say this, Kyle. Yesterday, Kyle missed the, the live chat yesterday, but Real Farm Boy stepped up for you, Kyle. And in our chat, just kept saying Fett's dead. Just not like nonstop okay, throughout the whole two hours. Fett's dead. Fett's dead. I was okay, like, oh, my God, dude. He was going hard in your honor, Kyle. I think he is a fake Mandalorian. He's like a maybe slightly above average bounty hunter. And there's no reason for him to be around. Doesn't bother me at all if he's dead. You know, it's weird. I That's don't. That's my personal opinion. I don't disagree. As a Boba Fett diehard fan, I don't disagree with anything you just said. <laughs> it doesn't make me like him any so, less. So, like, I get that people are into it, and if like it's a character you love and you want him to be around. That's fine. I I can sympathize with that. I don't think there's any. Reason I think there are way cooler Mandalorians to explore than a bounty hunter wearing Mandalorian armor who's like a clone. That's my personal opinion. Yeah, but without Boba Fett, you'd never have Mandalorians in the first place. So uh, I mean, yes and no. That's like a that's like a behind the scenes real world thing, though. Yeah, I mean, so Josh, I think we probably would have got Mandalorians because Ralph McQuarrie was sketching Mandalorian armor um, based on the Mandalorians that George Lucas was writing about. Boba Fett just gave that visualization of what we know now and how they've interpreted the Mandalorians that we know that we know and love because they still have the coolest. I think the coolest helmets are the coolest outfits so that's that's my personal take but i think i think boba fett i he just is that it's a frustrating character because I, I can see exactly what you're saying kyle but for me i also you know i want more and i guess that's just a, being a product of the expanding let me universe. tell you another thing is like people always talk about boba fett is so badass but actually he never really did anything he snuck around and called vader like he he just like tailed him he didn't do yeah. anything he pushed around a han and carbonite he got you know stabbed in the back and flew into a wall and died he he, he did ride like, a, never he did ride a dinosaur he was badass which is true he, did, he in the holiday yeah, I mean, special he did ride a dinosaur it, so that's pretty fair. sweet in all fairness though how many people are saying he's badass based on his 
five minutes or like three minutes of screen time and how many people are basing it on his entire Legends. Yeah, because you can even go through the New Jedi Order books and Boba Fett is still, I mean, a pretty incredible character. I think that the character gets fleshed out even more than than his bounty hunting days, you know, um, when he becomes an elder statesman and and spreads, you know, his knowledge to folks. But that's a whole, you know, we are getting way off point. If we're looking at canon Boba (laughs) Fett, he is is kind of a stinker. And uh, I mean, my least... Well, I'm never talking about Canon Boba Fett. Canon <laughs> Boba Fett's not my Boba Fett. Yeah, so. yeah. Canon Boba Fett is kind of a bum. Uh, well, that's I the only one there that. is, though. Uh, not in our hearts. Not in our hearts. The Legends books are still <laughs> on the shir- shelf at the store, buddy. So, so. I, I will say, okay. <laughs> They're still in here. They're still in my so heart. So have have any of you thought of a scene you want to reshoot while we're while we went off on a Boba Fett tangent? <laughs> is there anything you would want redone? I mean. I'm going to also, I'm going to throw in the speeder bike chase in um, Return of the Jedi. I think that that can be cleaned up a little bit. That can be redone. A lot of the uh, the green screen in Return of the Jedi was a little wonky for me, um, even just compared to A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. I don't really understand what was different. I thought the technology should probably improve. Maybe it was uh, director Richard Marquand who had some difficulties getting ILM to do what they needed to do. I don't know what was up with that, but there is a clear difference in the green screen technology between the first two films and Return of the Jedi. So I would go back and clean up. For me, it would probably be anything in the prequels with Yoda as CGI Yoda. I would prefer Puppet oh, Yoda. Oh, really? Yeah, I love Puppet Yoda. Oh, and it was okay, just, that's interesting. His face, like, his face in some of those was just not good. And it was, <laughs> it was scary. See, I thought, yeah. I thought the OT puppet was really good. And then the puppet in the, the prequels that ended up getting CGI'd over looked really bad. Yeah, yeah like, there, those scenes in general, though, anything involving Yoda where he looked really like scary Yoda, right? Like yeah. he had those kind of like bug eyes and like looked like he was angry or frazzled in his head. So <laughs> I would love those redone. So it wasn't I mean, they did film some with puppets in the prequels mm-hmm. and the Jedi Council scenes were all puppets, I believe. Uh, at least mm-hmm. most of them were. Um, I thought those were. Uh, and I, I can try to do a. I have way too many tabs open. I can try to do a little <laughs> search here, but I think it was a puppet that it got, was really ugly. Right? It was ugly. Got it was switched ugly. Yeah. over to yeah. a uh, to to a CGI at some point. So yeah. I, I know none of you have watched The Rise of Skywalker since it came out. I don't know a month ago at this point, but uh, there's a documentary that comes with it. And speaking of puppets, I thought it was really interesting that in the cave scene in Rise of Skywalker, they actually constructed a massive 40 foot um, like Viper, whatever that snake is that that Ray heals. They constructed a physical puppet that they used to film that scene. And it looked incredible. And they CGI'd over the whole thing. And I was just blown away by the fact that they literally did a full scale version of that serpent and they just CGI'd right over it. But, you know, if you watch the documentary, guys, those are things that you would learn. So hopefully we'll all catch up one day and do this Rise of Skywalker recap show. But uh, the Yoda puppet would be interesting in the prequels. I, I think that would be cool. What about a what about like a live action Jar Jar? Get Ahmed Best back in to do some actual prosthetic Jar Jar. I think that actually could make it look 
better. I agree. It's hard to go. I mean, now with what they can do with puppets, it's hard to lo- watch like Dark Crystal mm. on Netflix and in the amazing job that they did with that and not go, how come we couldn't do this with some of these characters instead of CGI? Yeah. So, well, Lucas, you know, Lucas was at that time, he wanted to push those boundaries. He wanted yeah. to use technology and be a pioneer. And he is. I mean, let's just let's just call it for what it is. George Lucas is the the pioneer in film and cinema and technology. He is, he's the guy, he's the guy. So anyways, we can go on and on and on about this. I want to talk about cool armor at some point. Who's got the coolest armor. Cause I still think Boba Fett's in the top three, Uh, but that's a whole, we can, we can carry on later. That's Canon Boba Fett, by the way, that's Canon Boba Fett armor is still cool as hell. All right. Uh, We've done this over the last few weeks where we've talked about uh, supporting the star Wars makers It's really important right now with everything being shut down. A lot of people lost their jobs. You probably know someone who's lost their job if you if you're not that person yourself. And people are really struggling right now. And and we are part of a very large community in Star Wars and it's worldwide. It's not just limited to your city or state or your country. And it's really, really time if you're able, you know, once again, I got to stress if you're able to support the Star Wars makers that we've supported for so long. And I know that many of you have supported of the makers this is the time to do it you know if, if you got five dollars ten dollars twenty dollars to spend to help these makers out you know we don't the scary part is the uh, it's the unknown what's ahead of us and we don't want to lose any of these makers as we go through uh you know this time in the world so it's really important that we can you know support them best we can and we have had really great support on the star wars friends show recently we've had fulcrum dawn our friends at fulcrum dawn show some support we had rebel art empire lantern pins who actually just gave out a pretty baller uh, promo code 15 percent off if you use sw friends in their checkout spice tag which is a united kingdom based uh fan company but you can also get their products here in the states and then luminous beans ltd which i did discover um, she is not from Cleveland. She used to live in Cleveland and has moved away. Uh, she forgot mm. to update her Etsy, Etsy store. <laughs> she shot me a message uh, a couple weeks ago. So she is out in, I believe, Las Vegas. But uh, regardless, once a Clevelander, always a Clevelander. You never forget. Um, so please go out and support those makers. We will we will send out a tweet this week and tag all those makers that have supported our show. And really, if there's a maker that you enjoy, if there's someone that you represent or you support, please let us know. We would love to uh, send them a message and see if we can get them on the Star Wars Friends show to promote their products. So that would be really important to us. And go use our promo code. I bought uh, three things from uh, Lantern Pins this week. Got Me a too. nice little discount. Yeah. Uh, if you can do it, go Me do too. it. Yeah. yeah. I, so what did you guys pick up? I picked up the Ahsoka and the Amidala pin. Oh, I got the the Ahsoka, like her, her, just her head, you know, yeah. with the outline, yeah. uh, the one of the heart lightsabers, oh, nice. the green and yellow Ahsoka sabers. And then I got a X-Wing sticker. Nice. Cool. I ended yeah. up with the same thing, the pre-order for the Ahsoka. And then I pre- did the pre-order for the Hera. Oh, okay. One. Yeah. Oh, that one was good too. And yeah. I ordered the chain breaker. Nice. 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 Yeah. Josh, what'd you get? I got the, the Ahsoka pre order as well. I got the Ahsoka heart pin, lightsaber heart pin, but the two blue lightsabers. Mm. And then um, I also got the slave one in a heart. Uh, yeah, as well. baby. Nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice. Nice. And it, this isn't really like um, small. Um, 
Etsy shop fan made stuff like we normally talk about, but there is also a huge her universe 30 to 50% off sale oh, really? right now online. So if you're into any kind of fandom and I'm a huge Ashley Eckstein fan. So even though that's like kind of big business, I'll still, I still feel good about it. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> so Go check them out if you want. Yeah, no, she, you know, she always does those contests where she invites people to design clothes and they do their mm -hmm. fashion shows and things like that. And a lot of, a lot of what they design ends up on the actual product uh, yep. that they market. So that's pretty tight. I will say that I, I bought that Ahsoka windbreaker hoping that it would look cool on me. <laughs> um, it did not. I, <laughs> it, if I wanted unisex to, stuff like that is hit or miss. You yeah. never know how it's how it's gonna fit. <laughs> it was it. I mean, it fit great, but then you put the hood up, and it just looked very odd on my body shape for some reason. So I had to send that back. But I, her universe is definitely a top uh, maker, regardless of size. I mean, they. I always look for Ashley's stuff to to just set the tone for fashion in Star Wars. So that's kind of yeah. sweet. Yep. All right. Now, one other thing that we want to talk about here is, of course. Oh yeah. Star Wars Celebration. Not only are we looking forward to Star Wars Celebration 2020, just yesterday, I believe, which would be this past Saturday. Hopefully we can get this show up tonight, which would be Sunday, April 12th. Yesterday was the Easter one Sunday. year, Easter Sunday. Yesterday was the one year anniversary of Star Wars Celebration Chicago. And we uh, talked a little bit about that on the live chat. Kyle made a really nice uh, tweet yesterday that showed off a lot of great photos from Star Wars Celebration. And uh, I really, you know, Celebration, man, it's, I was just rooting through my pin case this morning, found my Crimson Dawn pin that I'm wearing on my hoodie today in, in honor of this show. But uh, I got to see a lot of great content on Instagram and Twitter uh, yesterday. Sorry, Kyle, your post was on Instagram, I believe. Um, it was. Yeah. That's okay. You can follow me there at KB underscore legend, just like on Twitter. There you go. And there was a lot of really great Star Wars Celebration content. A lot of it revolved around the cosplayers, but really what it boiled down to for me and what I saw were just group photos. Not only our group photo when we first met, but so many other people have just posted group photos of them and their friends or other podcast hosts or celebrities. That's what it's all about. It's that community. So kind of reliving that, I, I really, it made me, it, it made me like kind of bittersweet because of the situation we're in right now, because I, I really want Celebration 2020 to happen. I'm, I'm still holding out hope, but I don't, uh, I'm not 100% confident that it's going to happen. We're 19 weeks out. We're 19 weeks out. And um, we'll just, we'll wait and see. You know, the state of Ohio here, we're talking potential stay-at-home orders until June 1st. And, you know, Celebration's pegged for mid-August. So... We'll see. We'll see. And that's in the state of California where they're they're getting hit really hard with this and, and starting to um, you know hopefully show signs that they can flatten their curve. But uh, who knows? Who knows? So I'm still holding out hope. It's 19 weeks. You never know. How are you guys feeling about it? It's bittersweet for me, too. I mean, especially considering like I wasn't going and then this thing with us blew up. So then I, you guys convinced me that I should go and I'd had a hell of a time securing tickets. Right. I finally got the tickets right after it was kind of became clear that it's probably not going to happen. Um, but we'll see. And you know, I, they, whatever happens, I, you know, I will, I'll be at whatever the next one is. Cause it, it really, besides it being in Europe, it can't really be farther away than California. <laughs> true. So very true. You know, <laughs> right. If we're talking the continental U S yeah. 
I was thinking the other day and the main thing, cause I know it'll happen. It's like Josh said, if we don't go in August, we'll go in December. We'll go next August. We'll go when it happens. Um, but it, it does suck that this is the 40th anniversary of um, empire, which is my favorite yeah. movie. And selfishly that would lead to some really cool panels and behind the scenes stuff and merchandise. And I would hate to miss out on that. Um, but I'm sure we'll we'll get to go eventually. I, the real question to me now is, I think by August, we'll be on the back end of this first big hump for sure. But is there going to be a second one? Mm. And even if not, how are things going to open back up? Is it going to be slowly? Is it going right. to go right away? Is it going to... There's just a lot of questions that I don't think... I don't think we really have any idea yet. I mean, are people going to be comfortable to be in that large of a group environment? I mean, I am thing, even if they do say it's okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm a very public person. I'm always out and about. I love to travel. I love to be around Mm -hmm. large groups as much as I, you know, can. And, uh, I, I will, I would be lying if I said I wasn't concerned about that and being thrown into that environment, that tight environment with that many people where they corral, you know, all the Star Wars fans up in their line queues and, you know, all the tight spaces at the convention center aisles. Um, well, and just think of how common knowledge it is that if you go to a convention, there's like at least a 50% chance you're leaving with some kind of oh, yeah. sickness, oh, con yeah. crud, as it's commonly referred to. But, um, you know, and that's just from general colds and things. If there's an actual dangerous disease spreading around that's a whole other level of thing um it makes you wonder when when this when we do get back to normal are are things like this are people just going to be wearing masks right right you know is that just are people just going to take more precautions i mean i know i was trying to wash my hands and do sanitizer and stuff always at at big events like that just to prevent but I wonder if people will take more measures. I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will, especially in the first couple of years post uh, post breakout or whatever we're going to call it, um, or at least until a vaccine's ready. Now, th- you know, that's a whole different conversation, too. We'll see. We'll see where this leads. But, uh, you know, I'm holding out hope if it gets rescheduled, um, you know, hopefully it's early spring next year. Uh, that's all I can say. I wouldn't want it to be another year after August. You know, that would just be too crazy long to wait. Um, but, you know, they're going to need a goodwill thing. Like we brought up yesterday on the live chat that maybe, you know, someday we'll see a Star Wars celebration in New York City as a goodwill gesture because they got hit pretty hard. That would be pretty crazy. They're um, the epicenter of the country. Yeah. Yeah. So who knows? We'll see what happens. But 19 weeks out, we'll keep we'll keep track of this and we'll keep talking about it on our weekly shows and see where it goes. We hope you're enjoying the Clone Wars recap show on the Star Wars Friends. Subscribe to the Star Wars Friends for weekly episodes featuring the latest news, in-depth analysis, fan questions and conversation on season seven of the Clone Wars. Don't forget, leave us a review on whatever podcast app you're listening on. Now back to the Star Wars Friends. All right, Josh, you had a note in here to talk about Ewoks, Caravan of Courage, or the Battle of Endor. I was unclear. Uh, what? Kind of, well, I, I watched a little bit of both. Okay. Um, so you, so you were to the end? end? No, no, no. Oh, <laughs> no. bummer. So you were talking about it because you had you had just watched them, and I own them, but I haven't. I have that like DVD, uh, like 
It's flipped. It's a double feature, which is conveniently right next to where I'm sitting right now, oddly enough. (laughs) Uh, uh, Yeah, I don't know where mine went, but um, so I was I just I popped it in because I was curious because I I literally I know there's a little blonde curly haired girl in it and there's and there's Ewoks in it. I don't and that was basically the extent of my knowledge. And I (laughs) yeah, I popped it. it, I was I meant to watch Caravan of Courage because I knew that was the first one. But it's one of those like old DVD discs where like one DVD is on one side and then yes. the other yes. like one movie's on one side, one movie's on the other side. So I accidentally put in um, the second the battle for Endor and um, one. So now we know that diabetes is canon in Star Wars because Wilford Brimley <laughs> oh is God. the diabetes. lead credit. Uh, yeah. And then oh. the dad is the, the principal from the breakfast Good club. Good call. Yes. I was just like blown away. Yes. And then, so I know we talked a lot about our frustration with the, the rise of Skywalker kind of seems like the filmmate, like they didn't work with, oh, where the story is this going to go? Where is this going? Oh no, don't worry. It goes somewhere. <laughs> okay. So in the, in the battle for Endor, Wicket is walking around with Sindel. So I only watched like five minutes of this. <laughs> okay, okay. And he's speaking basic with her. Yes. Yes. So, okay. So, okay. so wait, which, okay. which movie, so, which one were you watching? Which one are you referencing? Battle, battle for okay. it. Battle for okay. it. Okay. I can explain why, but go ahead. Go ahead. Well, no, no. I, so here's, here's where this ties into the rise of Skywalker and the story Can't wait. thing that I was trying to bring up. So this is actually, this might be our first example of the filmmaker not working with the story group. And in reality, did the story group really exist in 1985? They probably did not. But so if you talk to Leland Chi, he would say that this um, takes place like three ABY. Yeah. Yeah. But then it doesn't make sense. But it doesn't make sense why Wicket would be able to speak basic because none of them understood basic when Return of the Jedi happens. But apparently, the filmmaker's intent was that this actually takes place 154 years after Return of the Jedi, and that would explain why Wicket has a working knowledge of basic. Um, How long do Ewoks live? <laughs> well, that's well, that's what Leland said. Is that like Wicked is a child, uh, yeah, like, like is young, but they still in, live to be two hundred so then or something. I would love no to know way that. that he I would love be. to know that. Well, not only that, his dad, like Wicked's dad, is in this movie. That is so true. That is true. It's, and he's he's portrayed to be he's the youngest of three Ewok siblings. So, um, so yeah, there's that's the big controversy. And um, I think the way that they've the way that they've like retcon fixed it is that maybe um, they're not actually speaking basic; they're speaking some other language, and it's just changed to English for our benefit. It's translated for our benefit, huh? Yeah. Okay. So, but that, that's our first instance of the filmmaker not heeding uh, the story group. And it's been all so downhill since. That's then. Really, so that's how it ties back to. That's that's how it ties to Rise of Skywalker. Really, JJ also a really in depth analysis of Battle for Endor and. <laughs> And uh, the rise of Skywalker, probably first. That you, this is a this is a Star Wars community exclusive uh, hot take by Josh yep. here. <laughs> I will say um, you have to watch Caravan of Courage to understand how and why they speak basic. Um, it is not 
it's not that they just know it naturally. Like they they learn uh, by yeah. by Mace. Mace is the the boy in the story. He Trash is Master super Mace annoying. Windu? Yeah. Mace Windu. No, even Trash worse. Trash. So yeah, much worse than Mace Windu. Um, these children actors no. are just the, the worst. I mean, wow. they are literally the worst actors. Bold opinion can... from Chris. Children yeah, are terrible, no. and even their no, best these... efforts were not enough. These children were terrible, uh, but it's. But hey, have you seen Stranger Things? Those kids are on point. They so I don't are, want to, yeah, like if any other kids master sucks, class. I'm like, hey, what about Millie Bobby Brown? Yeah, master Come class. Maybe she's like but 15. No, I, mean, I don't know about a kid, but okay. I uh, she was. I don't she's know, old she enough to fly young. into. She was like space. 11 in the first. Yeah, season. She's just saying like, that that's the number she's named after. Get out of here. <laughs> well, so here's the deal. I still love Caravan of Curse. I still love Battle for Endor. But yeah, they do learn how to speak basic over, you know, a period of time that they're living with these with these kids. And they only learn a few words. It's not like he's reciting like a long poems or, you know, he's like like reading magazines or anything. He's just saying words. You know, he's just like, rah, rah, yeah. rah, eat, eat, eat. You know, it's like whatever. But um I will say that uh, now I think we have to do a deep dive into uh, canon links and historical links between these movies and modern Star Wars movies. Let's see where we can tie it all together. Uh, the wild thing is that this was, these were canon until these were sea level canon until 2012. They're terrible. Let's just <laughs> let's just be very clear. They're just terrible <laughs> movies, man. I don't watch them for enjoyment. I watch them because they're just so bad and. Um, you know, on so many different levels from a storytelling standpoint, they're just utter trash. And, uh, it's really disappointing to know that George Lucas wrote them, you know, or at least, at least he put his name on them. Uh, he has the writing credit, so he gets the blame. (laughs) Right, right. So, um, anyway, I, I appreciate the, the link between Rise of Skywalker and (laughs) Caravan of Courage and Battle for Endor. That makes me happy because I feel like sometimes I'm the only one that talks about those stupid movies and, uh, we need to get more of that on our show because you, everyone else needs to feel my pain is where I'm trying to get at. So (laughs) I've not watched them either. I, dude, it is. It just when you got nothing going on and you just need something to laugh at, it's it your that's your go to movie. So, uh, thank you, Josh, for bringing that to the table. Hopefully, many more discussions to come. But we are here today, of course, because this is a Clone Wars recap episode to talk about Episode Eight, Season Seven of the Clone Wars together Ooh. again. This arc is finally over. I don't know. I was trying to do it. Say goodbye to the Spice Girls. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, yeah, here we are. Episode 8, Season 7, the final seven. Together again, this is the final chapter of the Spice Girls, um, which we know as Ahsoka, Rafa, and Trace. Um, and I- I'm going to... You know, before we dive into opinions, I'm going to let Kyle kind of take it away and give us some backstory on this and uh, set the set the table, so to speak. I don't have tons to say, and one of the things I'm going to mention we're like sort of unclear on anyway, but like Chris said, this is Season 7, Episode 8. This is the last episode of this middle arc for the Clone Wars final season. It's together again. This one was written again by Dave Filoni and Charles Murray. They did the whole arc, just like uh, the Bad Batch arc had the, the same writing staff on all four episodes. 
And this was directed by Nathaniel Villanueva, who we've already talked about before. But it's interesting to me that I th- I think this is the only one of this arc that only had one director, mm. or at least the last two definitely had two directors. So I'm um, still not really sure why. We're still 19 before the Battle of Yavin, and we're still on Obadiah. And... The fortune cookie for this episode was you can change who you are, but you cannot run from yourself. I'm actually looking at it right on the screen here. It's beautiful. Um, There's a couple things that I wanted to talk about, too. The Shadow Collective and Crimson Dawn. The Shadow Collective is the crime organization that Darth Maul assembles with his brother during the Clone Wars with the help of Death Watch. He acquires Black Sun, the Pike Syndicate, and the Huts, and uses them to take over Mandalore and and create his own kind of rule over the crime criminal underworld um, during the Clone Wars, which is kind of easy to do because most of the people are occupied fighting the Clone Wars. Um, at after Maul took over uh, Mandalore, like we saw in the previous episodes of the Clone Wars, I'm not going to go into detail on that because I'm sure if you've watched Clone Wars, you're very familiar with that. But uh, after that, the Night Owls, who is the group led by Bo-Katan, who we're seeing in these episodes, breaks off from from Death Watch because they say an outsider will never rule Mandalore. They don't agree with Maul having the dark saber and leading death watch and leading their planet, their people. Um, so they they break off and they go from who are a terrorist organization, death watch into, I guess, freedom fighters, mm. um, in, in the night owls who they are now when we see them in this episode, but this gets disbanded and, Later, we get Crimson Dawn, which is mentioned in this episode. It's also mentioned in Solo. That's where we first learned about it, and that's where we saw that big reveal of of Darth Maul at the end of Solo, where he is leading this Crimson Dawn. Spoiler alert, if you uh, haven't seen Solo. Through Dryden Voss. It's been a few years, but I hope you picked it up Dave Dave Ezos hasn't seen it yet, so a spoiler alert for him. Sorry, I hope he's not listening to this before. (laughs) Well, Um, I got a really quick side question about that scene. Yeah. What was the intention of Darth Maul igniting his saber at that moment over the hologram? Was that? I think I think he's just bored. He hasn't had to. He hasn't got right? the lightsaber fight anybody in a long time. <laughs> so he just was like, "Hey, still got one." Look, at it this. just seems so unnecessary. If that was like a gun, it would be like someone just shooting off a couple of rounds and just signing off. Doof, doof, and just, I, yeah. I think from a practical standpoint, it was to confirm think, yeah, that that was yes. to more casual, casual fans. fans yeah. It's like this is actually dark. Yeah, because I, I will say, I I think I saw that movie in the theater twice. And the second time there were these people sitting next to me who were, they were adults, but they were younger than me. And they said at the end, I, I overheard them. Well, that can't be Darth Maul. Darth Maul died. And, uh, yes. And yes. so I had to be like, well, yeah, actually oh, yeah. he came back to life in the Clone Wars. So, <laughs> uh, but they, like people did not know if you, if you hadn't been consuming the, the animated uh, series. My best friend who saw it with me on opening day had no clue. He, like I, I was punching him. I was so excited. I was like literally hitting him in the chest. And uh, he was like, what? wait, he died though. 
Like that was like how he responded. Yeah, to yeah. It. I was like, yeah, all right, we'll talk after the movie. As a, I think it was a flex of power to be honest with you, because he, it's just a reminder to them that, Hey, I, I do have a lightsaber. I do have Good force call. powers. I can wreck yeah. you from across, across yeah. the, what the universe, basically it's a flex of power. And you see, you see a uh, Snoke do it with Hux. That's in, true. Um, in um, last Jedi, when he botches the resistance escaping and he's like, Oh, I'll just go take this call in my quarters. And like, he oh, just slams him, around, like little rag slaps him up on the roof, drags him around, or yeah, slams him to the ground. He's like, it's just a flex of power to remind him, Hey, I'm in charge. Good call. And that's all it was. Yeah. Well, sorry, Kyle. I didn't mean to derail you. I just thought that that was, <laughs> if, if it was, <laughs> it's just an awkward moment, you know, but no, it's, it's okay. And Honestly, this is all really unclear because we see Maul forming the Shadow Collective and taking over Mandalore, but we never see it get disbanded. Mm. And the Pikes were part of the Shadow Collective, which is no more now, but they're still in contact with Maul. And we know that Crimson Dawn, which is formed near the end of the Clone Wars, we know that now because he mentioned it in this episode and we're still during the Clone Wars. Um, and we know that it it features some of the former allies from the Shadow Collective. So he's obviously working with the Pikes. He's potentially still working with Black Sun or the Huts. But it's all really unclear how that all kind of went down. What the the main difference I can tell is in the Shadow Collective, Maul was. He wasn't directly leading Mandalore. He did have a Mandalorian figurehead for that, but he was directly leading these criminal um, syndicates himself. And in Crimson Dawn, he has mostly created another layer of separation between him and this criminal underworld through Dryden Voss. Uh, But other than the particular, I guess, corporate structure... I don't I don't know what the the main difference is. Okay. The only other thing I wanted to mention before we just get into the episode is at the end when Ahsoka is checking the transmission log, she discovers that Maul is on Mandalore, which is news to her. This is not news to us. So I, I wanted to figure out what that timeline was. And I've mentioned this in previous episodes, but Clone Wars goes out of order. So you can't trust Mm. that something happened in episode three. So it happened a long time ago um, just because it's not chronological. So that episode where Obi-Wan goes to Mandalore to try and save Duchess Satine, I'm not going to like spoil all this stuff because it is one of my favorite arcs, but it does not go well. Um, but right. it ends with, and I've said this quote multiple times, it ends with Obi, um, with Bo-Katan saying, go tell the Republic what's happened here. And by that, she means Maul taking over Mandalore to facilitate this crime syndicate he's running. And he says, that's going to lead to a Republic invasion. And she says, I know, but Mandalore will survive. We always survive. And so we know that, that Maul has taken over Mandalore. and. The Republic knows, but it hasn't gotten to Ahsoka. So I looked it up, and that all takes place in on and around season five, episode sixteen. Lawless is the main episode in like a three series, uh, three episode arc. But um, that also takes place 
19 years before the Battle of Yavin, which is also when this episode takes place. Mm. So Obi, which is also right after Ahsoka leaves the order. So she left, Obi-Wan has gone to Mandalore and now she has met these Martez sisters and run into Bo-Katan and it kind of happened quickly in that order. So she was not aware of it. That was something I was curious about. I don't know if anybody else noticed, but that's all all I've got. Good rundown. A definitely good rundown there. Um, Yeah. Ahsoka's had a hell of a week. Uh, I would say that this is uh, her life has changed pretty drastically uh, in a hell of a week, but it did circle back to, you know, kind of um, her using her Jedi powers. You know, it's like she wanted to escape and she just couldn't escape the lifestyle no matter where she's at and who she's with. That's just the cosmic force at work, you know, putting her at the right place to see Bo-Katan and Bo-Katan sees her and all those things just kind of factor in together. But overall, let's yeah, let's dive into this episode. It is called Together Again. Um, I guess that means they the Martez sisters and Ahsoka back in the jail cell. Or what does that episode title mean? Um, I thought it meant Bo-Katan and Ahsoka together again. But did they really have a lot of time together? I mean, is that like, I don't know. I just seemed like a... Uh, it wasn't like Ahsoka and Anakin coming back together. I didn't really, I guess you're right. And you know, but it was kind of, I expected more, I guess. I didn't really understand that, that title. I got it from maybe like the two sisters together again. Right. Because during this whole arc, you have trace who's on board with Ahsoka and you have Rafa in a very different direction. And actually when we meet them, they're not really super together, right? Like, Trace seems to be doing her own thing in the shop. Rafa's off doing illegal dealings out right, there right. and just kind of pulling her sister in whenever she needs her. But I think at the end of this arc, the two of them are more united together in, hey, I think we need to do the right things going forward based off this experience and what Ahsoka has taught us. Um, and, and they're more together as a family, as sisters, than what they were when we met them in the first episode. That's yeah. what I got from Together Again. Okay, well, here we are four episodes into this arc, and I am happy that it is. I'm happy that the Martez sisters are over with. Um, I really am. I'm not trying to be rude or anything. It's just, um, excuse me, it's just uh, this has been a very unpopular arc, not only for me, but for actually most of the Star Wars community I've come across on social media, Um, whether it's one episode or another, or, you know, people use certain terms for the episodes as filler. I don't necessarily... You know, I don't like to use the the word filler because all Star Wars content is good Star Wars content. But um, yeah, I mean, could could episode seven have been condensed into episode eight? Sure. I mean, we literally started the same place that we did at the beginning of episode seven. And the only thing in episode seven that got introduced were the Mandalorians and and maybe some minor character development with Ahsoka and Rafa. Um, But nothing really, you know, guys, we missed out on the bounty hunter episode because they had to do episode seven of this arc. Why couldn't they have condensed it down to a three episode arc? Um, you know, but that's just my take. I, I, I'm really pleased it is over. I am happy it did set up the siege of Mandalore. Um, but this was a really circular episode because it did start off, you know, the same place that they started off episode seven. Um, but this was a hell of a finale for the for the uh, for the arc. It definitely, to me, 
better than the first two episodes by far. The action scenes were better. And, um, you know, we the clunky dialogue is still sort of there on Rafa's part and in the actor Elizabeth Martinez. But uh, really, this was Ahsoka's uh, show. I mean, this was her moment to get, in, you know, get everything set up and put in place. But there were a lot of... Um, there was a lot of McClunky issues with this episode. Now it starts off where they are in the cell, of course, because that's exactly where they were the last episode. And they have to go talk to big boy Pike guy, uh, whatever his name is. Mark I forget his Krim. Name. Mark, Mark Krim. Krim. Um, Hawaiian shirt guy. Yeah, Hawaiian shirt, <laughs> Hawaiian shirt Pike guy. It's casual Friday for him every yeah, day. Yeah, just hanging out with that very <laughs> good basic. So did you did you guys notice that? He, I, we talked, some of, I can't remember who all was there, but we talked about this a little bit before the show. Do you notice that he has orange dust on his fingers and on his, his mouth? mouth? Like he's totally he's got a, drug a spice addict. habit. Yeah. yeah. I think he's a drug addict. I've always gotten that feel that hmm. he's like the, like look the caterpillar him, from he's, Alice in yeah. Wonderland, especially oh. in, when we first run into him, when Obi-Wan and Anakin are, are in lockdown with Dooku and he's got this like kind of slow Rastafarian. I, yeah, oh yeah, I think no, it's a spice yeah, head, man. Yeah, you're probably right. I remember that scene. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that would make sense. And and that's a good comparison, Josh, to the caterpillar because uh, he's not like aggressive, like a Dryden Voss, where he just snaps. You know, he is that chill. I mean, you know, just he's got that goofy voice though. I can't get over the Pike's voice still at this. But more on the voices later. Let's go through the episode here. So then they, you know, um, the Spice Girls get escorted from their cell and they go talk to Mark Krim. And Mark Krim's like, "Yo, dude, where's my spice?" They're like, "Yeah, whatever." And Ahsoka's like, "No, nah, man, I'll cut a deal." Um, I thought it- this was kind of a weird turn because at the beginning. Rafa is is mad at them again yes. and she's yeah. adversarial and she's I got that not too. trusting Ahsoka and using her hands. We, we talked a lot about of hands. Well, she she's animated. I'm I, that doesn't bother me, but the we talked about at the end of the last episode how she had kind of come around and she apologized yep. and she saw how Ahsoka had rescued them and all these things and now here we are at the beginning of the very next episode which takes place all of three minutes later i <laughs> right. understand you know i mean we right. go right into it and and she's kind of being a jerk again and i didn't i i feel like i've been more sympathetic to this arc than most people because i love ahsoka and i love right. Maul and i love mandalorians those are like some of my favorite things but this didn't it didn't make sense to me from what they had done last week just kind of come together and then yeah, now they're I don't, arguing I don't know again. why she was right yeah. back. Yeah. So but that, at least that in that a first, little inconsistent. At least in that first two minutes, though, you see, okay, now Ahsoka's like, no, look, here's what we're going to do. Yeah, gonna, she did. We're going to finally, we're going to finally do a plan. Here's what's going to happen. You're not going to like it, but this is what's going to happen. And ultimately what she did is remove them from the equation. Yes. She's yep. like, let me get you two out of here. So I don't have to keep saving myself. <laughs> and yeah. you, right, right, right. I can <laughs> smart. Get you gone, yep. and then I can just get out of here on my own and f some ass up on the way too. Yeah, <laughs> yep. yeah, agreed. This, the, you know, I, I get what she was trying to do in the previous episode, but this is just so much smarter, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm happy that it went this way because it did make for a more exciting arc. Now they are in front of Marg Krim, and you know she she definitely says something to the effect of. You know, trust me, winky, winky, winky. Um, you know, as she's talking to Mark Krim, and she said that to them in the in the cell, cell. too. You're, yeah. you're just gonna have to trust me. 
And when she gets out there, he's like, oh, you would you would betray your friends? And she said, trust me. Yeah. They're not my friends. Yeah. yeah. And and Trace didn't pick up on it, but Rafa definitely did and rolled with no, it. Trace doesn't pick up on much. No. She's, no. Tr- she's no. very naive. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'll tell you where their families live. What do you, well, our, our parents are dead. Like, <laughs> right. I was waiting for her to like blurt that out after Ahsoka said it. Yeah. The joke's no. on you. We don't even have a family. <laughs> that was the whole plan. Yeah. Yeah. That totally could have happened. Uh, Just Ahsoka's but, going, uh, <laughs> and like rubbing her eyes. Like, he's freaking spicy. Uh, <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Yeah. So that could have totally happened. I could have totally seen that happen, but they, it didn't, you know, and Mark Krim's trying to cut a deal uh, with Ahsoka where Ahsoka's like, yeah, let's just let them give them one rotation to go find the spice. Of course, Mark Krim's like, yeah, dude, go ahead, whatever. I mean, I did not expect that to happen. Um, but then there's a little slight reveal later. And then Ahsoka was like, I'll give you up all their information about their family. And then Mark Krim keeps talking about like torture. Like, yeah, if you don't tell me who their parents are, if they don't bring back the spice, I'm going to torture her. Dude, torture hasn't worked so far for the Pikes. The Pikes also torture have, hasn't like, worked so many times. Yeah, in pretty Star much Wars. ever. It's pretty never much ever. worked. Yeah. It's like, um, and, and the you Pikes. You couldn't are, torture it out of Leia. You couldn't torture it out of Rey. No. You, I mean, I guess it kind of worked in Empire, but they were just torturing them for the. They didn't even ask me anything. They just tortured it. <laughs> right. Torture is a weird device in the Star Wars universe. It's not, it's not successful. Mm-hmm. I but think the, it's also not successful in the real universe. Probably, you're probably right. Other yeah, you're probably right. Uh, I, I will say that the Pikes also have the most inept security system I've ever seen. I mean, everyone's just breaking out of these cells or doing jailbreaks or running through the yards. And eventually they get caught. But, I mean, it's just like, um, you know, what are they... What's that? Uh, yakety sax? It's like if you just watch these Pike episodes and put the yakety sax soundtrack over it, you know, with all the that old, like, and British, like, oh, yeah, it's a little saxophones going on. Yeah. But I will say during this conversation with the, with Marg Krim, you get some really tight shots of Ahsoka's face, and you can see individual stitches on that leather headpiece. You can see light reflecting in her eyes you can see where her her like um montrails are are changing from those clean straight lines that they are in padawan clone wars ahsoka to those like jagged Hmm. tiger stripes you get in rebels there's like this in between you can see creases it's really amazing Oh, hell yeah i'll go back and watch it for that i like that i like those little animation touches um so they cut this deal and Mark Krim kind of already knows that the deal is just kind of bogus, but I'll go ahead and backs against the wall too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'll go ahead and play that audio that I, that I ripped from this. This is another deception. I know, but I don't have much of a choice. I must regain that spice. My life depends on it as much as theirs. You think he will find out about this? He knows. He always knows. That pesky old Santa Claus. 
He's always he sounds always like knows. Uh, what's the lady from uh, Monsters Inc. Always watching <laughs> <laughs> the spice. spice. It's so dramatic. I don't know that it's the spice that he actually need. he needs the money from the spice. So that's why he it, needs the spice back because he needs the money for. I think it's all the above, man. Maul to hey, do whatever he's doing. If he's an addict, he needs it to live because withdrawal <laughs> symptoms might be so crazy. I mean, really, I mean, that's one thing. But you're right. The money and then reporting to Maul because then that right. next line of dialogue is, do you think he knows? And it's like, I knew immediately. Did you guys know immediately who they were talking about? Knows. I yeah. did. Oh, yes. yeah. yeah. Immediately. I was like, oh, shit. Ma- Maul's coming. <laughs> well, they they mentioned in the f- either. I think the first episode of this arc that since. It's Rafa's first run at this. This is her first time stepping up to a new level of criminal enterprise. They didn't give her a huge shipment. They gave her like a trial run. And this is to me, they're, they're still stressing out about it. And I think that's why Mark Krim's like assistant, his right hand man here, his Lieutenant or whatever uh, was saying, well, you know, maybe maybe he won't even notice. It's just Life, three yeah. three containers. It's a small shipment, and Mark Krim's like, no, nah, he knows. He yeah. always knows. Yeah. He's like, yeah. he he's he's scared of not holding up his end of the bargain, even if it's not a big, substantial thing, because mm. he knows you just don't want to piss off the boss. No, you let down Maul, yeah. and you're you're up Shit's Creek. Um, whether it's a big deal or a small deal. I, yeah. That's what I got out of this. Yeah. Yep. Well, so after this Mark Krim conversation, um, we do see the Martez sisters being let free. Now, okay. I just think it's odd that they are just let go into the Silver Angel um, and there's not even an escort. There's not even a Pike guard or a Pike. Um, I, I don't know what you would, you know, who you would put with them, but someone of some significance to watch over them. They just let them go. Now that I'd is send Fife with them. Yeah, right. Put send Fife, Fife on there to go. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Maybe not you. not even a tracking device. We don't even get that classic Star Wars yeah. shot of a tracking device getting thrown on the ship. They're just let go. I mean, maybe I like, the, I like the guard, though, that pushes him in the back and says, you better bring back the spice. <laughs> like he's just <laughs> right, getting right, a right, parting shot. Yeah, like, yeah, right. I want to feel important. <laughs> <laughs> so so they leave and then they end up on a planet of I don't know is it the same planet is it a different planet they but the diner they're at if you go back and watch Spaceballs uh, there's a there's a scene in Spaceballs where there's a diner <laughs> scene it looks like straight out of Spaceballs so wherever the Martez sisters are they are in the Spaceballs universe which totally makes sense I could see them there um, the the Mandos saw them leaving the planet too and that's, that's where right. that's um, right. yeah. Ursa Wren says I didn't scan the Jedi with the other two or something like yeah. that I didn't scan the Jedi leaving with the others. And and Bo Katan says, "Keep watch. I I want to know mm-hmm. the instant she leaves the Citadel." That's right. That's right. So, you know those the Mandalorians in those robes, man. That is a cool look. Oh, so that is a cool look. Another I, cool vintage collection figure. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm loving it. So that's really nice. Uh, and then that cuts straight to the back of Ahsoka's head, where we see. And I know this is like the third time I've mentioned it, but that leather headpiece she is wearing, you can see where it goes behind her and yeah. and splits. Uh, and how it's actually like attached to her head, which I think was a cool detail. Yeah. Yeah. This, um, you know, the next scene is her basically breaking out from the prison and it, she's now again. on her own. Yeah. Yeah. Again, yeah. she's on her own, but it's yeah. really, it's just easy, easy as pie, man. This Pike security well, yeah, system she, blows. 
There's she n- doesn't have these Martez Spice Girls. Sisters <laughs> well, her anchors, her giant the anchors. She, the first time Ahsoka broke out, she goes, "I only got one shot at this." Well, and made it seem like it was really hard. And as she did, like the second time, she's just like, Boop, it weighs yeah. her hand and it's like super easy. So time I'm like, go. well, now that you figured it out, you can just do it all the time, apparently. So, <laughs> right. Right. I but, think she meant like no one's like without them without, seeing yeah, her yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, she ends up breaking out of the cell and then running through this very lax security fortress. And she ends up in like a weapons cache, like, and it's finds. Huge. <laughs> just yeah, it's like unarmed, unoccupied. There's not even like a not receptionist. Yeah. yeah. Oh, look, a box of bombs, <laughs> like every video game. <laughs> <laughs> so she grabs all these bombs, these thermal detonators, which is of course classic Star Wars trope, and it's just it's fun. It's a fun scene, and uh, then they cuts back to the Martez sisters and Rafa. Like, so they're just talking, Rafa and Trace, and then Rafa is like explaining to Trace finally what's actually happening because Trace did not get it. She's like, But we don't even have family, but but, uh, Ahsoka doesn't even know it, but right, right. But then Rafa's like, You know, they they she wants to go back and one up Ahsoka, she wants to go back, she's basically gonna rescue her out of spite. I guess. Yeah. And it's Essentially, like, yes. Dude, why? I don't want to owe her anything. Right. Like, yeah. here's the thing, man. I, if I was in their shoes, now I'm obviously not in their shoes, but if I were, I would just leave. I mean, that is your perfect opportunity to just disappear into the galaxy. I mean, you like, do they not understand how heavy the Pike Syndicate is? Like, after being incarcerated Clearly for days, being shot at, chased down. Having their that's, ship in That's ice cold, Chris. Don't ever go on a um, dangerous mission with Chris because he will leave you behind, people. Yep. <laughs> well, go. Hey, it's dude, I will go find that planet that Thanos went on. I'm crossing uh, I'm crossing IPs here, but I'll go find that planet Thanos is on and go chill in that little shack uh, and just hide away for the rest of the time. Simple life. But, uh, yes, you know. Galen or so did. Exactly, exactly, yes. <laughs> Hi, this is Delilah S. Dawson, your Star Wars friend, and you are listening to the Star Wars Friends Podcast. an angel for a helpless baby Yoda? Every day, baby Yoda is chased by bounty hunters and abused by scout troopers, and he's crying out for help. Please click the subscribe button on your screen and join the Star Wars friends with a monthly gift right now. For only 60 calamari flan a month, you'll help rescue baby Yoda from their abusers and provide food, shelter, Jedi training, and Beskar armor. Subscribe now and follow us on Twitter in the next 30 minutes to receive this tweet with a gif of baby Yoda, who's been given a second chance thanks to you. Baby Yoda needs our help, so please, Subscribe, rate, and review right away. Hey, this is Dominique Pace, who played Gecko the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian. Happy to be your Star Wars friend. You're listening to the Star Wars Friend Show. 
We hope you're enjoying the Clone Wars recap show on the Star Wars Friends. Subscribe to the Star Wars Friends for weekly episodes featuring the latest news, in-depth analysis, fan questions, and conversation on Season 7 of The Clone Wars. Don't forget, leave us a review on whatever podcast app you're listening on. Now, back to the Star Wars Friends. It's a weird take that Rafa wants to one-up Ahsoka like her her ego stroking is massive for being such like a low level criminal like bum really um you got to show uh, I wonder up this if person. some of that is her her putting on a front too Oh good call okay and, you know she knows they need to go back cuz Ahsoka saved saved their necks multiple times mm-hmm. Right Well part of the plan was to find spice So Rafa's plan was to go get spice and and deliver it to Mar Krim and that steal was going to help from the pikes to give to steal the from the pikes. Plan. Yes. Which bold is actually, that's a it's cool, good, not a bad plan. That's a cool plan. It's bold, man. Very it bold, is. but it's that's good. like the key to a star Wars plan is it has to be like the most risky yeah. thing you could possibly. <laughs> oh, let's just march right into the detention center and we'll walk right. her out. Let's right. just go steal from the people we're trying to give the spice to. <laughs> yeah, no, I like that. Now what I didn't get on first watching was I thought they went off planet. That's my first thought. And then I guess on the second watching, they're still on Obadiah, and I think they just went to like the other side of the planet. the other depot. Yeah, they went to their 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 industrial warehouse in the uh, industrial parkway, and uh, they went they went over there. And I only caught that because the structure of this spice depot that they went to is very uh, similar to the design of the Pike Fortress with those green neon lights, which are right. spectacular. I mean, really gorgeous. The lighting in these episodes is really great. So I think they're still on Obadiah, but then they land on this platform and you get this. Well, actually, before they land in the platform, they you get this really bizarre voice over the like over the comm. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I recognize that voice. Yeah, I was like, that's that's like that's Niku from Resistance. Josh Brenner. Yeah. Josh Brenner. So yep. that's pretty cool. Um, that's a fun little nugget for those people that watch animation. And, did, they, uh, did they credit that voice at all? Yeah. yeah. He was, did oh, yeah. the character yep. have a name? Yeah. And the manager of the Trandoshan was Tom Root. What was, oh, the, oh, okay. what, what was the name of the voice that was played by Niku's voice actor? Uh, it just says Worker. Oh, God. That's all. <laughs> he he yeah. didn't even get a name. It's just yeah. worker. No figure but, for him. No but action Josh for Brenner's him. played uh, Niku and uh, Erskine Sinaj in other uh, mm. Star Wars animated series. What's, so. the, what's the name of that uh, species that Niku was? It's a Tung. No, no, then, no, no, no. The Tung is from... Um, oh, no, Niku. Yeah, Niku is a um, Nikto. Yeah, he's just he's a colorful version. Yeah, yeah he's just he's a colorful a version. Nikto? Yeah. Yes. Oh, um, that? Look at me. I'm the species in this episode that he's playing, Worker, is a <laughs> is a Tung, and their oh, homeworld is Tund. And uh, you may tund. know the Tund. You may know the Tungs from episode one, The Phantom Menace, which was Ben Quadraneros. Ben Quadraneros. Oh, yeah, <laughs> dude. <laughs> <laughs> One of the dumbest looking aliens I've ever seen in anything. Um, I am so shocked. I, I know, I, you know, we kind of briefly talked about this pre-show too. I'm just shocked that they brought this species back and it's just yeah. a weird, like shoehorn them in there, but I appreciate it. I'm glad yeah. that they, that they brought this species back. I had to look up the planet that they were from cause I had never heard of tuned and uh, what an ugly word, just an ugly tund, word. Tund or tuned. Tund. Yeah. It might be tund, tund uh, but they're tunes. <laughs> 
But just an ugly species. I am happy that Josh Brenner voiced him because I actually, you know, that first season of Star Wars Resistance, I was like, man, Niku is the worst character I've ever seen, ever. And I like second season, he's great. He turns into a hero, and he's really, he's really good. Saves the day a lot. Um, but that, the voice so actor, yeah, he's very his character is so very literal. literal. Yeah. yeah, nothing goes over his head. <laughs> his reflexes are too fast. <laughs> Uh, Josh Brenner is great though. He, he was, yeah. he really was good in this role because he was, he was super wimpy. And then he tried to be that fake tough guy with it was good. So that was good comedy. I, I appreciated that. So, <laughs> so they land on this platform with these tongues, tongues or whatever. And they're just these little worker guys that have access to the spice. So then Rafa is trying to convince them that they're there for a spice pickup. And of course it's that, that old Han Solo, you know, scoundrel type, uh, you know, uh, discourse here. And Rafa's just trying to convince them of something that isn't true. And it just ended fake up until you make it. It ended up working. Pretty good. Yeah. And it sounded pretty good. That was my favorite Rafa scene of the arc so far. And uh, kind of convinces this guy. But the guy's like, yo, man, my manager probably won't approve of it. And then Rafa's like, yeah, whatever, dude. Your manager's a, a bum or, you know, <laughs> whatever she said. And then, of course, uh, Trace is like, Rafa, Rafa, look. Because the you know, you can tell the manager is walking up, and then you know Rafa turns around and her eye line is at the eye line for a tung, but it's actually a Trandoshan who's like three feet taller than the the yeah. other species. <laughs> so that was actually pretty funny, and um, yeah, of course, you know you get into it with a Trandoshan, it doesn't go very well. Uh, but here's the thing: that's got- one minor gripe I had with this episode. I, I didn't have tons, but like. I am all for her being able to kind of talk her way around these people and be like sneaky and and pull a scheme, but she just kind of like has a heads up fist fight with this Trandoshan and holds her own. And I'm like, how on earth did this like little tiny human woman just like go toe to toe with a Trandoshan and not get ripped to shreds? She could easily rip to shreds. In fairness, he like threw her around like a rag doll a couple yeah, times. And she had broken bones her, or something, her, man. She just found an opportunistic way because when I think he threw her on the lift, he ye- yells at the uh the tune to start lifting it up, right? Mm, and he like walks over and, and got on it. it yeah. Right. And then he had her pinned down on it as it was moving up. And then she does a move to get free and then climbs up the thing real <laughs> that, quick. That was a good move. That was a good yeah. move to get free. So I, yeah. it, it was just an opportunistic move. I think if it was just, hey, we're going to put these two in a ring with no tricks, no equipment, no nothing, the Trandoshan would rip her apart over time. But she just found an opportunity and took advantage of it. I still feel like it's wild, though. The whole time I was watching it, I'm thinking this species is most well known for tracking and capturing <laughs> Wookiees. Like, come on. Right. Like, yeah. True. They're, they're put in charge of things because they are so big. Remember that one episode in Rebels where they had the on Lothal where they had those. Uh, they were basically like world devastators. I forget what they called them in Rebels, but it would soak up all the nutrients. And they had yeah. trained oceans running that operation, even though that one was played by Seth Green and had like a <laughs> really was- wimpy voice. Um, but what is up with Here's the Trandoshan's voices? Why are they always so terrible? <laughs> Why are the like mm. Bosk is Bosk's voice in Clone Wars is terrible. This Trandoshan's voice is terrible. Seth Green's uh, Trandoshan is terrible. Oh, you think his like hissy voice in Clone Wars is bad? That one doesn't. Oh, uh, this no. this one is terrible. This uh, this Trandoshan manager played by Tom Root is really. He, I mean, he sounds like me. 
Like there's nothing yeah, like this one wasn't great, but the the Bosk in Clone Wars I think is okay. Bosk is it at least has like some kind of alien reptilian, yeah, reptilian alien. Uh, yeah, no, I mean it's just not what I ever imagined a Trandoshan Ocean to sound like. Um, mm-hmm. Well, whatever. I don't know. I also didn't like the Trandoshans in Mandalorian. I thought that they looked way too human for. Uh, yeah, I didn't think they looked enough. Like what I expect a train to do. Not at all. But. Not at all. But that's for another. That's for another that's thing. A so. That's a nit we're picking. Yeah, right. it is. It is. What were, what were those? Uh, what were those uh, reptilian humanoids that were like really common? Like really, they talked about them a lot in the legends books. And there was one that was a Jedi. Do you remember? I oh, don't. They, and they 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 don't. They don't say like I, they say like this one and that one, like when they're talking. I don't know. Mark Thompson did a really good like reptilian voice for them. They should just get him to come in and do Trandoshans for, <laughs> for, these, yeah, I mean, for these shows. Can you imagine Mark Thompson on a cartoon? That would be, that would be crazy. Oh, between Mark Thompson and D. Bradley Baker, you could oh. voice three quarters of yes. every episode yes. and then just get like a couple face characters and you're good to go. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So uh, at the tail end of this fight, though. Rafa commits stone cold murder. I mean, they're hanging on that platform and Rafa just, and then in cold blood just says, see ya pal. And then Mm kind of just lets the lift fall into oblivion. You know, one of those massive star Wars pits of uh, (laughs) a bottomless pit where the trend ocean just presumably dies. Uh, And Rafa just, we witnessed cold blood murder again, two two weeks in a row. You know, we got the beheading on the uh, scaffolding or that elevator on the last episode. And now we got this uh, train ocean falling into a pit. They killed a bunch of pikes last episode, actually. Right. You would figure with all the murder that they committed, that they wouldn't have been let free without a, without a guard detail, but Hey, we're just, yeah, once again, this is nitpicking time. All right. So one thing that we kind of glossed over, we had this train ocean death scene with Rafa and the, Trandoshan uh, pit boss. That was actually intercut with Ahsoka planting these um, detonators, and she overhears that conversation between Mark Krim and Maul. There you go. So, yeah, that's what I was getting at there is that she's now in this like weird factory. Maybe it's a, a spice refinery or something like that, where Mark Krim somehow is out in the open on a platform and having this conversation with the leader of a crime syndicate on a holonet uh, or hologram. And uh, I actually do have the audio from that first interaction. It's pretty cool. I, I was definitely I geeked out when I saw Maul. So I'll yeah. go ahead and play that real quick. I assure you, this delay does not change things. We will proceed as planned. You are but one small piece in this mechanism which I have designed, and yet, when you falter, it jeopardizes everything. Do you understand? I understand that the Republic is cracking down on my operations. Just a week ago, they raided one of my shipments arriving on Coruscant. Were there Jedi? I don't know. None of my men made it out. Well, then the answer is yes. Damn, Mark Krim getting caught in this uh, in this trap with Maul. All right, Sam Witwer is so good. I was oh, just gonna say, God, he's good. That my takeaway from that is is not only the dialogue, but Sam Witwer as Maul is just ridiculous, just ridiculous. Amazing. Just such a great voice. So we have that first clip. Of course, you know. 
the the Republic would drop in on the Pikes, and there's all these back and forth threats and concerns and all this drama. But then there's a second clip uh, shortly after Ahsoka sees that Maul's on the hologram, cuts back to Mark Krim and Maul. So let's go ahead and get that one up real quick. I have things to attend to other than your incompetence. Make sure there are no more delays, and if there are... I am certain Crimson Dawn would love the opportunity to take control of your operation. Woohoo! Crimson Dawn reference in Clone Wars. So that is something Kyle talked about earlier. I am very excited about that. And I, I see this as Maul being kind of like a poor man's palpatine here mm. so he he's running crimson dawn through dryden voss where he gets to be anonymous just like palpatine is running the the separatists through dooku but he's also dealing directly with the pikes and the mandalorians right. and sort of pitting them at odds against each other using them to threaten each other and he's he's running this kind of low level poor man's version of what palpatine is doing on a much bigger scale Except he's he instead of using legitimate armies, uh, um, he's using the the planets that are neutral, which Mandalore's right. neutral planet didn't take a side in the Clone Wars, and these crime syndicates, underworld, um, you know, marauder types. Um, but it's kind of the same thing, which is that's Maul's mo. He's always chasing Palpatine and trying to get what Palpatine has and get back at Palpatine and yeah this is it and that's what Fife says is he's he says to Krim he says he's pitting the syndicates against each other and Krim replies back it's an efficient way to deal with our kind of business that's so right. they know what's up they're smart enough that they know what's up but at the same time they know they can't fail either or Maul will take over and just run the Pike Syndicate as well for sure. And that's exactly what Palpatine did with the entire <laughs> galaxy. <laughs> yep. Right. He right. pitted half of them against yep. the other half. Yep. As a poor man's Palpatine, will he come back again and have like a a, a relative <laughs> who's who's force sensitive and he'll be hooked up to a rig on a gloomy planet somewhere? Hey, it's not out of the you're, realm of possibility. The dude's already come back from me. death. You're backing me into a corner where you're going to force me to say that Darth Maul is cooler than Emperor Palpatine, and I don't think that everybody's ready for that. So please don't do that, John. <laughs> I think on some levels he is cooler. I mean, way cooler. I think Palpatine is is more popular or more powerful as a Sith, but I think as an overall character, I would agree with you that Darth Maul's Maul is way he's cooler. He's way more interesting. He's way cooler. He does way more. He gets more screen time. It's awesome. So I know we're getting ready to move mm. forward here, but when Ahsoka first escapes and she's running around, she goes, she opens a door and she walks out and there's like two canisters there. And she's kind of like surveying the room. There was two symbols. There was a, a symbol on those canisters. And I looked to see if I could find what it was. It wasn't Crimson Dawn. It wasn't the Pike symbol. Mm. There was a clear symbol on it. And I, I went through everything that I could find to see what that symbol was, but I couldn't figure out what it was. Did you guys when notice that? When did that take place? So um, 
she escapes, she gets the bombs, she's kind of like sneaking through the rest of the factory, right? This was, I think, just before she stumbles upon the call to Maul. But she goes okay. through a door, and there's two canisters, and she kind of walks up, because there's a pike down on the scaffolding, like, below. And yeah. she, like, kind of ducks down, and she's peering through, and there's two canisters there, and they have the same symbol on it, but, like, you see the left side of, of one, and you see the, of the symbol on one canister, and you see the right side of the symbol on the other canister. But I couldn't mm. figure out what that symbol was. It I wasn't anything familiar no. of any of the symbols. And if I, I tried to screen grab it from my phone, but you yeah. can't do that on Disney+. Plus. So yeah, I'll see if I can that. get it. But if anybody knows what it is, please post it on yeah. or send it to us, because I'm curious what that symbol was. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah I'll Sorry. have to. I'll have to go back and rewatch it. No, I like. I like little stuff like that too. I mean, part of the fun of going to the uh, Rise of Resistance at Galaxy's Edge was looking at all the symbols that mm-hmm. they had on the queue line and stuff. That was really fun. So, um, all right. So we we get this mall reveal, which is super awesome. But then the Pikes are like, "Yo, who's this Jedi hanging out down here?" Or they don't know she's a Jedi at that point. But basically, yeah, Soka. Um, you know, she she's surprised that Maul's there doesn't really know what's going on. And the Pikes kind of uh, trap her on that platform. Um, and basically... Maul looked over the, the railing. Too. Oh, is that, oh, that's what he it was. Her. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. there, I saw some some discourse on the Twitters where people were saying, how do, how do these holograms work? Can he just see the whole, the, the whole inside of that factory? And how did it... But... I did not take that as he physically saw her. He sensed her. He felt her. Mm. And then he got. tried to look in that direction, which I don't know if he could even see over there if he w- or if he was just sort of like reaching with the force. I Good don't think that call. was a okay. visual okay. thing. I think that was like a force thing. Interesting. Well, and in The Phantom Menace, they had the hologram of Sidious on the moving the little oh, yeah, three-legged the legs. thing. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. They, it's not like the hologram is just like stationary, but like it could have turned, it could have been on one of those and he like turns right. and moves over. But I got the same thing is he just sensed there was a presence of somebody in the room with them. And that's what, I don't know that he knows it's Ahsoka, but. No, Good call. Just, no, I like something. that. I like a that. Disturbance in the force. There you go. There you go. So with that he could feel he could feel Ahsoka through a hologram but Luke couldn't feel Kylo <laughs> talking to Snoke in his head in the same ship it's ridiculous uh, that stupid Kylo Ren comic it's <laughs> the sequel trilogy is problematic Josh <laughs> mm-hmm. oh boy all right so yes um all right let's get back on track here uh sorry the, no I'm no s- I uh, you got me ran I don't want to get to with his sorry, I'm going back to the That's to Clone okay. Wars. Yeah, I love yeah, Clone yeah. Wars. <laughs> yeah. Maul has this great look too with his hood up, which matches his look That's in true. solo really well. Which yes. I think they're That's doing great. a really good job here in this last season bridging especially visuals, if not also character to the other media we've already seen, solo rebels, etc. Yes. Yes. So we need Solo, Solo Two, or Darth Maul's adventures post Solo to be a Disney Plus series. We so do. We so do. And it's and it's a shame that we probably never will. I would much rather have that than than the Cassian Andor series. I I'm not saying I don't want the Cassian Andor series. I'm just saying I want to see Alden and Donald and you know Ray Park back to do some Solo adventures. So you're right. You're right. All right. 
let's 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 get towards the meat of this episode because we're we're very close to the end here. Ahsoka gets trapped by the Pikes, and the Pikes are like, "Yo, dude, we're gonna execute you." Um, yada yada yada, and um, they eventually they end up in this chamber. You know, they stun Ahsoka, they shoot her with a stun, and they end up in this chamber where there's this execution ceremony that they're about to have happen or something. And all of a sudden, um, Rafa, like, burst into the room, like, at the right moment. Let me see if I, I thought I pulled this audio. Let me see. I had a little bit of difficulty. You forgot about the big Jedi reveal. Was that... Yeah, because she gets surrounded by the pikes in that room where she's checking to see where the communication came from, from Maul, and she finds out it's on Mandalore, that he's on Mandalore. Oh, that's right, and that's right. when she pushes one of the guards, she force pushes, force pushes one of the guards, and Krim sees it, and he's like, oh, what, you're a Jedi, wait a minute here. So things just got a little bit more interesting, and then they surround her and stun her and then drag her back to the chamber that you... Song. No, you're she right. Put up a good fight. She, I mean, she yeah. almost got out of there, but she was outnumbered like fifteen to one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I have to say that scene too. It shows the uh, attention to detail that this show does because the so she's looking at the screen. And it ha- it's full of Huttese, and I, I there's a video. I was like a, a wrap up video. I was watching like all of that Huttese is actually. like the direct right translation for what it would say, like Mm. tracing signal to Mandalore and like all these different things that, that you would expect it to say if it actually said what she was looking at. So they, they, all that stuff is actually there. It's not just like random letters to make it look nice. nice. That's awesome. Yeah. It is a nice little touch. It is a nice little touch. So they end up in this execution chamber or whatever they're at, some palace chamber inside the fortress. And at the moment where, uh, they're about to execute her. Trace and Rafa just bust through the door. Like, like, how do you know where they're at? You, uh, you re, you get back into the fortress and you know exactly. Well, they, they did, I will say they did get escorted in by two, two of the pikes. So it's not like they just knew where this was. Did I miss place. that? Did I? Maybe I, I, mean, I was just so upset. Maybe I was so mad about right it. There's two pikes right behind them, pointing guns at them, yeah, walking maybe, behind them. So. Maybe I was just so <laughs> mad about it that I just missed that. Um, but yeah, we do find out that Ahsoka is a Jedi, and it gets revealed to Trace and Rafa through some dialogue uh, in front of them. So I did pull that audio. Let's go ahead and take a listen. Why didn't you tell me? How could I? I used you both. How unfortunate that your stupidity is so authentic. So I didn't pull the full clip here, which is what I wanted to do. I did have some some issues, as I mentioned. But Trace and Rafa were like, what? You're a Jedi? Like, I can't believe this. And they didn't like, they didn't say the they word. They didn't believe it at first. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But they didn't, they didn't use a word like betray or, you know, you broke our trust. It didn't go that hardcore. I think they were just really just genuinely shocked. And um, they ended up getting out of the execution. What the heck? Why can't I remember? Well, Ahsoka, Ahsoka said, because Rafa was mostly just kind of irritated. She's sort of involved mm-hmm. with shady people, so she's probably been lied to more than once. But Trace was really hurt, and, and Ahsoka said, well, how could I have told you after what right. you told me about your parents? and?" Mm. That's what I, that's Um, what I wanted to pull. That is, and this is where Rafa is finally like, wait, you really are a Jedi. And she's like, well, I, I was, 
I was trained, I, but I left, and they're both like, "Wait, you can do you that? Can do that? You can do that?" <laughs> yeah, which, which is like I thought was funny, and it's like obviously people have no idea that you could. Yeah. I, I guess we probably had no idea that you can just not be a Jedi anymore, which See, is different I, than falling to the dark side. But, I think I did yeah. pull that audio. Dooku did just leave though, and then he fell later. Or he uh, he didn't like leave and say I'm a Sith now. He just left. Like they didn't know he was a Sith. So I uh, this audio here. I was a Jedi. I don't understand. Why would anyone walk away from being a Jedi? It's complicated. No offense, but I don't want to hear your complicated story. Let me level with you. You might not think of yourself as a Jedi, but you act like one. Or at least how I want them to be. She's right. We got in over our heads. Without you, we'd be done for. Jedi or not, I consider you my friend. So yeah, obviously that's at the ending of the episode. Well, that's from I, the end. When yeah, she's I was skipped to go a bit. with the Mandalorians or not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we can uh, maybe readjust that in the editor. I don't think anyone really. I think anyone that listens to our Clone Wars recap shows will be fine with an out of order clip. But uh, yeah, we can touch on that at the end. I thought. I apologize that I did have my clips out of order here, but yeah, you're right. They were both very shocked that, uh, that she could leave the Jedi order. That's the clip I wanted to pull for sure. Um, but they're about to execute her or all three of them really. And that's when she She triggers all those, um, detonators that she had planted all over their factory. The Mandalorians see that it, it knocks down the pikes and, Ahsoka kind of kicks the, the last one, one that's still standing, and, yeah. and they, they run off to the the rusty demon. The one gets up to shoot her. <laughs> the rusty and she bucket. turns and it hits the her handcuffs and frees her handcuffs. Yeah. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. I just and then they I run away of... and then they get in the ship and then you get that awesome chase scene. Yeah. Where where now Trace is a hmm. good pilot. She, she didn't even know how to turn the air brakes off and had never been to <laughs> the second coming of pilot. Luke Skywalker. All right, uh, let's, let's be honest. She was not a great pilot. She flew straight and avoided rocks for most oh, of the flight. she's weaving through this. But like, she was in uh, Beggar's Canyon, dude. Well, it wasn't that tight of a canyon. It was pretty open. <laughs> but where? But Ahsoka and Rafa start working together on shooting the ships behind him. Yeah. And she goes, all right, well, we're, you know, our guns blown, our rear shields are gone. I'm just going to fly around this big rock and turn around and fly at the ship following me. So she just entered a big game of chicken with the ship behind her and got lucky that he chickened out. And that's why they were freaking out. But the music in that scene was great. Yes. Well, she, they, their, their rear deflector shields were out and they still had front shields. So she knew they could take a couple shots that way. They were, she's a savvy, savvy pilot, savvy pilot. uh, the rusty, the rusty demon is way bigger than those little pike ships. So she that had is true. the rusty superior. demon versus the silver <laughs> angel. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, it's so good. We hope you're enjoying the Clone Wars recap show on the Star Wars Friends. Subscribe to the Star Wars Friends for weekly episodes featuring the latest news, in-depth analysis, fan questions, and conversation on season seven of the Clone Wars. Don't forget, leave us a review on whatever podcast app you're listening on. Now, back to the Star Wars friends. She said, um, uh, well, if you're a Jedi, you're probably a pretty good shot, right? And, she, and Ahsoka's like, yes, I am. She goes, well, shoot <laughs> yeah. something. <laughs> yeah, that was good. That was definitely The music good. was great, though. It was, uh, it was very reminiscent of any previous chase scenes through any Star Wars, and it, it yes. had the exact same music to... <laughs> right, awesome. right. 
She so, did a way better job piloting on the return trip to Coruscant than she did on the way out. They did not <laughs> oh, get yeah. hailed oh, by yeah. any military vessels. <laughs> it was very smooth, right back to their platform. Yeah, yeah. So Trace Skywalker uh, plays that game of chicken. The pike ship blows up on the thing, and then they escape Obadiah. But there is a scene right at the tail end of that chase with the Mandalorian ship. That I, I would call that a gauntlet starfighter. Is that inappropriate to call it a gauntlet starfighter? Uh, no, I think that's correct, actually. Okay, all right. I didn't know if a gauntlet was tied into, like, Gar Saxon or, or somebody specific, but that's, I'll call it a gauntlet starfighter. And that trails uh, the, the rusty bucket or the rusty uh, demon. Uh, as it exits Obadiah. And then you see, you know, the thing was the Mandalorians didn't help Trace and Rafa at all in that chase. And they kind of just, we thought they were going to help the escape and they never got involved. Yeah. So they didn't really do much there. Um, And then of course they're back to Coruscant. And my first, my, my first thought was like, dude, well, where did they get their coaxium? Like, where do they get their fuel? Like, once again, goes back to the practicality of this teenager building an intergalactic vessel and somehow acquires some of the most precious uh, ingredients in the galaxy. We saw what Han Solo had to go through in Solo's Star Wars story to get the coaxium. The only reason I thought about that is because Maul showed up in this episode and dropped Crimson Dawn. But, yeah, they have fuel to get back to Coruscant. Okay. And then here they are dropping back in their their tunnel. Um back to the platform and uh, they're having that emotional moment where I played that audio just a few minutes ago where, you know, they, they dock and Ahsoka's trying to talk to them and they both trace and Rafa just walk away from her. They don't even say anything. They just, they just walk away. They don't want to say anything to her. They're, they're mad, you know? So um, we kind of get their goodbyes of, of, of sorts. So when, Bo-Katan comes up to Ahsoka, and Ahsoka at first is standoffish because the last time they ran into each other, she was a member of Death Watch, and they were at odds. Um, But Bo-Katan says, don't worry, Death Watch is gone. And do any of Mm. you who have read the Son of Dothamir comics, I've only got the very first issue. I haven't read the whole thing yet, so... Do they explain, because I know some of the Mandalorians after Maul beheaded um, Pre Vizsla were still following him and they put the little Maul horns on their helmets and they painted their armor and stuff. So were they just not going by um, Death Watch anymore at that point or what, what does she mean when she says Death Watch is gone? Does anybody know? I don't, it's been, it's been many, many years since I read the Son of Dathomir comics and it's on my list to repurchase. Uh, I've sold them a while back. Um, and I don't, I don't have a good answer for that. Josh, are you, are you savvy on that at all? You're probably more up to date than I am on that. Um, I, I think, yeah, I think once he actually takes control and they break away, they just, they don't. They're just part of his organization instead of having their own okay. thing anymore. So, because, like, for instance, that that Rook uh, cast, who's like the leader of his Mandalorian commandos, mm-hmm. it just says that she's a member of the Shadow Collective. It doesn't say that anything about Death Watch. Okay, so I guess when when that happened, when Maul fought Previslo for the Dark Saber, um basically at that point death watch was no more and the people who went with bo katan are now the night owls and they're 
uh, fighting to restore Mandalore to the Mandalorians and the, the ones who chose to side with Maul are just his personal Mandalorian commandos slash part of his criminal organization in general. Yes. Okay. You know what I was thinking too? This, this actually, this like knowing when the split is kind of helps us place where, um, Din Jaren's like foundlingness happens because those Mandos were still Death Watch. Mm. Cause they okay. have the Death Watch. Like, okay. You know, cause we have the, all of the um, Mandos we see in this episode have like the little, the symbol yes. um, on their shoulder plates, which actually Ryloth Relics has a, uh, a coin out now with that symbol on it. So just Oh FYI. yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. And they have a sweet. 332nd Legion one coming out soon too. Oh hell yeah! Anyway, sorry. Yeah. no, that's great. That's great. So, um, Son of Dathomir. Let's all let's pick that up if we can. I know the books are wildly expensive on on e- Evil Bay right now. So I did do a, a pre check before the show today. Um, it just seems like it's a hot commodity item more than normal. Those books are generally more expensive than other Star Wars books, but uh, I would love to reread that now. I I didn't even have the foresight. Looking to picking up a trade paperback. There you go. There you go. It's probably around forty bucks for that. Actually, um, you might be able to find a digital version of it for way less expensive, but I do like the physical versions. Um, but I did check now that I know where this is leading. I just didn't have the foresight to buy that book before this art came out. Now it's a hot thing. But uh, yeah, those Mandos show up pretty silently and quickly after they get off the uh, rusty demon. And um, it, they just go right to the throat like, yo, dude, like. We know you're a Jedi, like I'm Bo Katan. What up? And she says, <laughs> like, we have a, she says, Death Watch is no more. We have a common, common enemy. enemy. I loved it. I love that whole dialogue scene. I love that she took her helmet off to show Ahsoka, like, yo, it's me. You know, um, yeah, obviously, we know the history with Obi Wan and Satine and, and all that. So I think Ahsoka's really tied into that and uh, that is emotionally. Not the way. Yeah, <laughs> it's not, not the, the way, way yet. Yeah, um, but it's good to let her know that who who she is, you know, and Ahsoka can build that trust. But she's like, yo, we got five minutes to figure this out. Now, what was what was crazy was there was that line where Ahsoka was kind of hesitant on going to the with the Mandalorians, and then either Trace or Rafa was like, well, what do you think the problem is? Are you going to be led back to the Jedi? And Ahsoka said something to the effect of, yes, that's what I'm afraid of, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so she is reluctantly joining says, the Mandalorians. She says, if I go down this path, I'm afraid where it might lead. That's, says, that's it. Back to the Jedi, you mean? And she says, yes. Yes, yes, good call. So uh, interesting. I love that line. I love that line. It's the reluctant hero. And, and now she's and being to her credit. Rafa says, go. It's what you're meant to do. Yeah. Well, Rafa they, also they wanted her out of her business her so she can keep running that Calrissian laundromat uh, money front, whatever she's got going on. <laughs> but um, no, you're right. You're right. Rafa did not, you know, Rafa did not end up with the pure heart of gold or the hero's tale that I, that I expected. Although I will say that I, I her journey ended up better than I was hoping for, for that character. Uh, I still don't like Rafa as a character, but yeah, I mean, the whole goodbye and 
they'd set up for future tales if they wanted to. Ahsoka left her junky old bike named Trash at the uh, dock. So if she wants to come back and pick that thing up, um, she can go hang out with the Martez sisters and have some cocktails or kick back and do some things. I don't know, whatever they do. But, um, you know, so they did set that up so Ahsoka might come back for the Martez sisters at some point. Um is there any... Oh, and I guess it goes without saying, Ahsoka joined the Mandalorians, got in the Gauntlet Starfighter, and left Coruscant to go presumably back to Mandalore or recruit troops to fight this battle without the no, Republic knowing. She's not going to go straight back to Mandalore because we know she's going to be on a hologram where she sees Obi-Wan and Anakin, and we know she's going to get those blue lightsabers that were in the trailer, mm. and we know she's going to get the 332nd, and that's all... I assume either going to take place on Coruscant or in orbit above Coruscant. Wild, wild. I cannot wait. It's it, probably going to happen Friday. If all right. So before we get to that, is there anything else anyone wanted to cover from this episode that we didn't hit? Again, I thought the music was great uh, in this episode. Again, the callback to the chase, the, the you know some of the older music that was kind of pumped in there, the flute fife music when ahsoka yeah. was running around and kind of tech checking the com link history i thought that was great um and then some of the quieter moments i thought the music that paired with this episode was really really good yeah yeah good call anyone else have anything they want to add on this just excited for the next arc there you go yeah. well let's so let's get into it how do you guys how before we get to the next arc how do you rate this arc, this Spice Girls arc? How do you feel about it? Um, you know, is it, I would rate this, if we're going to go like letter grades, I'd probably just rate it a B minus. I mean, that's really being generous too. Um, and the B minus is just for the Ahsoka story progression. I do, but I will say that a, a lot of my weight on on this rating is due to the Kessel se sequence, the inclusion of different species of aliens, the inclusion of uh, those tongs, of course, because that's super funny. I think that, um, you know, the, the environments, the animation, the sound, as you were just talking about, Justin, was exceptional. Uh, but for the most part, I mean... You subtract the Martez sisters, and for me, it's a much more enjoyable arc. You condense it down to three episodes rather than four episodes. It's a much tighter, better storytelling arc. But uh, the Mandalorians add some flavor to it for me. So I would give it a B minus just for all the, um, you know, outside the Ahsoka story progression, the ancillary items, the backgrounds, the the sub characters. But uh, really, what hurt it for me was the Martez sisters. What about you guys? Have you even thought about rating this at all, or? It's it's in the top three of the, of the arcs of this season. You know, it's in the top three. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I we saw that in the first four episodes, right? With the Bad Batch, we felt there was like one episode that they could have scrapped. Um, yes. And just kept it at three. And I think we saw the same thing here with the episode right before this one that they probably could have condensed a lot of time. So it's almost like they put in another one to just fill more character development that we probably could have gotten in a shorter arc, but where would um, you rate it on a, on a scale a to E or a to F uh, this particular episode, this arc, this the, arc, uh, the Spice oh, the Girls arc. Uh, um, <laughs> a B. I a guess. B. Okay. I, I still right, had yeah. a problem with some of the, the dialogue and the delivery of the lines, you know, when they're, I, I said this in the pre-show when they're fighting on the platform and trace had knocked scared away the tunes 
and her tongues or whatever they are, she had scared him away with a pipe and she, Rafa comes up behind and she swings at her and Rafa stops the pipe and then there's like a pause for two seconds and then she's like, whoa, whoa, easy killer, whoa, or whatever it is. And I'm like, but there was such a gap in yeah, yeah. when she swings at her and when she stops at her, stops the pipe and when she delivers the line that for me it was it was hard. I was like, it's, it's not synced up real well for some reason. And it's not every character and maybe it is because they're more actors and less voice actors i don't know um but some of the polish delivery that you get with uh d bradley baker um in playing five troopers in one scene versus that that i had a problem with and it was it was through the whole arc not just yeah. this episode it was through the whole arc so for me i it's like a b i guess b's good b's good kyle That's what about good. you I'm probably going to give it a B, too. I really enjoyed the character stuff for Ahsoka. Like, I I went into greater detail in uh, the previous episodes, but I think it's a really good bridge from Clone Wars, Padawan, Ahsoka to to Rebels, uh, Master, Ahsoka. Mm. Um, and I love Darth Maul. I love yeah. Mandalorian and specifically Bo-Katan. So I really enjoyed that. I thought the third episode was the best one. Really? I had, uh, yeah, wow. I, I think so. I think it over that, this over this last one. Yeah, probably. I think it had wow, more action. Okay. I think it was. Uh, you know, this one had Darth Maul and it had a little more stuff with the Mandos. So yeah, that was good too. But the third one was the one where they had the the cool chase scenes and they were fighting yeah, they up did. in the tower they and they did yeah. the escape and um, the goat man and I, I, I like that one we <laughs> we saw the, the goat we, guy yeah. Jim Brewer the reveal of the Mandalorians I thought that stuff was all cool um, but I I agree I'm I'm actually a pretty big Elizabeth Rodriguez fan I I like most of the sh- the TV shows that she's been in mm. but her voice acting was not great. And I think people like Ashley Eckstein and Katie Sackhoff and D. Bradley Baker and mm-hmm. Sam Witwer and are so, so good. It made that even yeah. more evident. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought the Martez sisters were not that interesting. And I think they were, they served the purpose of, of these other characters developing. So I guess that wasn't right. really their point, but um, you know, they weren't, they're not characters I'll ever wish to really see again. <laughs> good you know good. like we don't you're I don't not gonna you're to not show gonna, up in any other ancillary materials you know? see you're not gonna have a petition out for a black series trace figure or no, uh not for me. okay no, no. <laughs> okay josh what's your final ranking uh letter grade i'll give it a b wow i think like okay i, I didn't like the i didn't like the the two new characters but i you know it's it's fun seeing ahsoka and you know all the mall and Mandalorian oh, stuff, yeah. but I feel like even rating it on that, it's kind of disingenuous because it's just me being excited for the next arc. Yeah. So, well, it's kind of cool to see her do all those fight scenes without the lightsabers too. We don't get to see oh, Jedi yeah. just yeah, being like cool. force pushing ninjas, which is kind of cool. Um, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of the next arc, Josh, let's get into our uh, second to last segment here, which is, of course, that's not how the force works. People are counting on us. The galaxy is counting on us. So we'll figure it out. We'll use the force. That's not how the force works. Oh, really? You're cold? 
All right. So I think I only have one, you know, with outside of the big, bold predictions of the Siege of Mandalore, the one goofy thing that I would love to see is Maul's syndicates come together and we get to see a uh, Clone Wars animation version of Dryden Voss. We get to see mm. that character in the Clone Wars fighting alongside Darth Maul and his other syndicates. And um, I think that would just be really cool to see that and kind of tack that in it's not going to be a hard thing to do you just do a different uh, character design and throw them in there but to really see you know that that come together um and maul fighting alongside them whoever it may be i mean there might be who knows who knows in the who is in these crime syndicates but dryden voss would be one character i would like to see more of just to once again tie into that solo material um maybe we can see dryden use those blades again those really crazy curved uh vibro blades i think that would be really nice but uh it would be a nice touchstone back to solo a star wars story now we know this is going to go right in the siege of mandalore and there's a lot of really heavy predictions we can make but are there any other goofy predictions like a dryden voss showing up in there that any of you have thought of or want to see happen i don't think there's anything that i've thought of or want to see i, I think it's about to get a lot darker than yeah. <laughs> at least as far as uh you know we've we've said that for a long time is clone wars is pretty dark even for an animated show that's supposed to be for kids i mean you you saw it in this week's episode where you know uh, Rafa drops the dude off the platform See and you, commits pal. murder. Yeah. See a pal and just drops him off. But then he, in, it, but at Mark Krim at one point he says, "What does he say?" He says, uh, "I'll kill you. I'll kill her. I'll yeah. kill your family." Families. Like, yeah. oh yeah, <laughs> it was kind of harsh for a kids show, and it's it's um. So I think it's about to get a little it's bit. It's hard more. out in these streets, Justin. It's time the it kids is. learn, man. <laughs> it is. Um, I think it's gonna get a little bit worse than that in this next episode because I, I think it's it's this is really where kind of the soap opera comes into play right right and, and what you're going to see in these next four episodes and i think that's what we're really really excited for so i'm pretty sure that where we are right now in these current clone wars episodes is about nine years prior to when we see darth maul in solo a star wars story so, really that far in advance this is 19 years before the battle of yavin and i believe that wow solo ends 10 years before the battle of yavin interesting um, okay okay so there's a long hmm. i'm not saying that means dryden voss isn't around by any means sure because no, you, he no, definitely, for sure. definitely could be but I'm interested because obviously that mean what that means to me is that Crimson Dawn exists for a long time, even mm, after yes, yes. Um, Maul. I, we assume is losing the Siege of Mandalore. I we know he is because we read it in the Ahsoka book. So uh, that's that's nine more years that this still exists, and I would really like to get some more information on Crimson Dawn. And what exactly it is, how exactly it came about, what their what, what their story is, because we don't really know other than they are quote bad guys, and that at the top of the food chain is Darth Maul, and that's about all we know as far as, as far as I can tell. 
Well, let's see. Let's see what happens. I, I want to see some Crimson Dawn in this in this Siege of Mandalore. I think that would be cool to expand that lore a little bit because we can't mm-hmm. get it in Solo 2. Um, you know, so this is the opportunity to expand that. I wonder if they had all these, you know, obviously this season was canceled many, many years ago. I wonder if Crimson Dawn was part of Filoni's original vision for this or they're just kind of shoehorning them in after post-Solo. You know, that would be fascinating to to know if Filoni had this vision of Crimson Dawn all the way back in what was it 20 2012 or 20 when were the when there was this canceled I'm inclined to say yes just because if not why would there be the change why wouldn't um Crimson Dawn in Solo just have been the Shadow Collective right change Crimson Dawn to the Shadow Collective and you don't have to change any other thing and it still works unless there's a reason for it and i i like to think there's a reason i hope there's a reason and we just don't know it yet yeah because at at face value black's crimson dawn and and uh black sun seem like or not black sun why do i keep saying that but they seem kind of like the same thing so Mm. why why the changeover i i hope there's a reason if there's not a reason then why do we have both Crimson Dawn and the Shadow Collective? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's interesting to think about. Josh, do you have any predictions for the Siege of Mandalore arc? Um, yeah, so I'm just, I'm hopeful that we were right in our previous predictions that this is concurrent with um, uh, Order 66 oh, and that we yeah. get to see... Yeah that from Ahsoka's perspective and we see how she gets out of that and how, you know, obviously we know Rex uh, is not part of it or what his, you know, I want to see how that whole thing shakes down with those two. And so I'm hoping we get to see that on screen. That'd be sweet. And just one final thing to to confirm, uh, Wikipedia does say Solo takes place between 13 uh, BBY and 10 BBY. So yeah, nine years. Crazy, man. Okay. I like that. I like that. All right. These are good predictions. And of course, um, you know, we'll we'll just we'll wait every Friday and we'll catch up and see what happens. I'm excited. This is getting into good stuff. But it is that time of that episode that we blow this thing and get out of here. You're all clear, kid. Now let's blow this thing and go home. Got a really good feeling about this. Master class in Clone Wars <laughs> recap <laughs> of the uh, Spice Girls arc is now complete. So we can move on to some really heavy hitting action that I hope that Star Wars fans across the world are excited to see. I know this was the big preview at Star Wars Celebration that we were going to get this arc. And it's been the talk of Clone Wars ever since the final season was announced. Um, so I hope this exceeds our expectations. I'm definitely looking forward to these next four weeks. Guys, four more episodes of Clone Wars. Then it's done forever. I'm getting goosebumps. I'm getting goosebumps talking about it right yeah. now. Because I am thinking about that Order 66 moment, Josh, and how it's going to tie in and wonder what Ahsoka's reaction is going to be to that. It's going to be heavy. I hope we get to see it on screen. Um, So, yeah. Hey, we made it through the Spice Girls arc, the toughest arc of the season. Now we're getting into some really heavy, good stuff. So, um, thanks for coming on this journey with me, guys. I don't know if I could have done it by myself. 
<laughs> with my B minus rating. <laughs> Don't forget, Sam told us that we need to watch that arc in its com- in completion as a movie too. So obviously, oh, we're going to yeah. watch them as they come out, but we need to then come back and watch them. Good all call. Together. Oh, Forgot too. about that. Very good. I wasn't going to. I thought he was going to suggest waiting on doing a show for four more weeks. I was yeah, like, let's no! Let's put it off for another four right. weeks. No. Uh, so no. you can join us weekly on the Star Wars Friends. We keep doing these YouTube and Facebook live chats. So if you haven't added our YouTube channel, please do. Um, we actually got a pretty nice subscriber count since our first episode just a couple weeks ago. So that's cool. Thank you for joining us on YouTube. And, of course, you can find us on Facebook at SW Friends. You can find us on all platforms, Instagram, Twitter, SW Friends Show. Um, um, but yeah, please add us on Facebook and YouTube if you want to be part of the live chat crew. Hashtag live chat crew. Shout out to Rural Farm Boy who gets a lot of those uh, a lot of those folks assembled. So we are giving out prizes. We just gave out three prizes this past week. Hopefully we're going to have a Shopify store up soon that you can grab some of this uh, Star Wars Friends swag. We'll have hoodies, t-shirts, all that good stuff available. Uh, and one of the designs to stay positive will be a, a charity donation shirt. So we're really looking forward to that. I want to give a shout out really to everyone that's kept it positive over this really uh, dark time including you know my Star Wars friends on this show and keeping keeping this going and making sure that we have a voice to the community and everyone that does share their, their thoughts and opinions with us it's all about connectivity and uh, we appreciate all of our, our friends that have connected with us since we started this journey we're very close to 1313 uh, followers on Twitter so once we get to that I'll have a very cool prize giveaway uh, and then of course 2187 once we get the 2187 uh i will have another prize giveaway so we're getting there man it's fun um so that's my shout out to you guys on this show and to everyone in the community you know keeping keeping me grounded and keeping me uh positive as much as possible so who do you guys want to shout out uh, i want to shout out my uh john williams one percenter apprentices oh, sean yeah. wars and knights of glenn Oh, yeah. um, if you want to join our Dark Alliance, you can uh, hit us with the hashtag <laughs> John Williams One Percenter, and then don't forget about my other new hashtag: hashtag Nunchuck Saber. Nunchuck Sabers! <laughs> oh yeah, Kyle, you missed the Nunchuck Saber talk yesterday. We it came oh, back. Man. It came, it came up back. Again? Yes. It was hilarious. Practical. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, Kyle, Justin, who do you want to shout out? Uh, just everybody out there, stay safe. Uh, I know on the live show on Saturday, I think we had it was Alessandro from Italy. So just want to yeah. stay, stay safe, stay safe, amico. Um, you know it's it's rough over there. So you guys, keep indoors, keep yourself healthy. Everybody, do what you got to do. Yeah, um, I don't really have anyone to shout out again, but uh, thanks to everybody that's listening. I think. Everybody should go, if you're not going to review our podcast, go review a podcast on uh, Podchaser. Yeah. Um, they're, they're, I believe, still doing their charitable donations. So yeah. um, while you're sitting at home, there's no reason you can't, you know, take a couple minutes and do that. Good mm-hmm. call. Good call. All right. Well, it is uh, Easter Sunday here in America. I'm pretty, well, actually in the whole world, I I'd guess. Everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the whole world. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> and uh, you know, we uh, we some of us got some plans, so we're gonna roll out to that. Hopefully, you're spending time with uh, your family as best you can. If you're zooming with relatives you can't see in person, uh, hopefully that that's a good experience as best as possible. So you can follow the show at SW Friends Show on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, pretty much all the social media sites. You can follow me at No One Is Chris, uh, Josh Battle of Tanab on Instagram and Twitter. I'm Justin. You can find me at I am the Bendu on Twitter. Uh, this is Kyle, and I am at KB underscore Legend on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, uh, we're gonna end this as we always do. May the force be with you. Always. 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 Later. Hey, friends! Don't forget to subscribe to the Star Wars Friends podcast and leave an awesome review on whichever podcast app you're listening on. Catch up on past episodes, fun interviews, and more at StarWarsFriends.com. Connect with the Star Wars Friends on social media at SW Friends Show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Email the show at show at StarWarsFriends.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, may the Force be with you.